0: The following is a sermon that was preached at Good News Lutheran Church in Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. It was preached on Sunday, November 15, 2020, on the basis of Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30. For more information or to view our entire sermon library, visit goodnewslc.org. Thank you for listening. A recently released documentary has millions of people rethinking some of their behavior. The film is entitled The Social Dilemma. It was released on Netflix back at the beginning of September, and already by the end of October, it had nearly 40 million views. The big problem that the film tries to expose with companies like Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and YouTube is not so much that they sometimes don't protect people's privacy, It's not so much that those platforms might be used by by foreign actors to try and undermine our democracy or influence our elections. It's not so much that those platforms are full of all kinds of fake news and every conspiracy theory under the sun. No, really, all of those are just different symptoms of a single underlying issue, namely the business model that makes these platforms profitable. See, when it comes to, to services like this, it's easy for us to think of ourselves as the consumers. Just like we are the consumers when we walk into QuickTrip or when we walk into Target, so also we are the consumers when we open up an account on Facebook or Twitter. There's just one problem with that line of thinking, however. We don't actually give these companies any of our money to use these services, which means that we can't be their customers. Instead, the companies that spend millions and millions of dollars on advertising on these platforms are the real customers, which actually makes us the products. More specifically, it's our attention that is the product. Our attention is worth a lot of money to these platforms, which means that these platforms are going to design their services to be as sophisticated, as efficient, and as effective at getting and keeping that attention now that doesn't make them evil it doesn't mean that we should all go out and, and immediately stop using all of those different services it does mean that like I said there are millions of people who are starting to rethink some of their behavior they are being much more conscientious about how they use those platforms and even going to great lengths to set very firm limits on that use As we continue our worship series today entitled, Wait For It, we are right in the middle of a set of three consecutive parables that Jesus told, all of which talk about our behavior while we wait for it. Namely, while we wait for Jesus to return. And Jesus makes quite the leap from the story he told last week to the story he told this week. He goes from a wedding banquet to a business office. He goes from a story that's all about love and marriage to a story that's all about dollars and cents. He wants to show us the business model, the economic engine that drives life in his kingdom. And just like so many of those people who have viewed the social dilemma, when we get the peak that this parable provides, when we see under the hood of that engine, so to speak, it inevitably is going to force us to rethink our behavior, to rethink what we are up to while we wait for Jesus to return. As we look at Jesus' words from Matthew 25 this morning, Jesus is going to teach us that seeing Jesus' business model will modify your behavior. So this story is about a man who has three servants, and before he goes away on a long journey, he entrusts his wealth to these servants and tells them to put it to work while he is away. So notice that he doesn't tell them to take what belongs to them and put it to work and then he'll just tax them on the proceeds to benefit himself. No, instead he's giving them what belongs to him and not just a little bit of it. The word that is translated bag of gold in this story, refers to a unit of money that consisted of 20 years worth of wages. So, $50,000 a year, let's just call it a nice round million bucks. Even the guy who only received one of these bags of gold received a substantial amount of money, something with considerable earning power. And even though the master gave differing amounts to each of these three servants, Jesus tells us that he gave to each one according to their own ability. In other words, he gave them the Goldilocks amount of money. Not too much, not too little, just the right amount. So how would you describe this master's business plan? A very wealthy man gives some of his own property to his servants. He gives them a substantial amount of that wealth and a specific amount of that wealth, just the right amount of that wealth. You might say this master's business plan is generosity, giving, sharing, trusting, and investing. At least that's how two of the servants saw it. We're told that as soon as the master went away at Once they began to put the master's money to work. How did they do it? Well, the way that you put any amount of capital to work. You invest it. You share it. You spend it. You entrust it with others. In other words, these servants did the very same thing with others what the master had first done with them. And then not only that, but when the master returns and finds what they have done and wants to reward them, here's what we are told. The master says, you have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. So the master takes this this business model of giving and sharing and spending and trusting, this business model that brings him such great joy, and he gives his servants a share in it. He lets them participate in it. And then when they demonstrate that they love it and find as much joy in it as he does, he gives them an even greater share in that same activity. Servants who love this master's business model will want and will have a share in it. So as we think about this parable, it's probably pretty easy to figure out that the master in the story who goes away for a while and then comes back is Jesus. And it's probably pretty easy for you to figure out that the servants that he entrusts with some of his wealth, well, those servants are us. But what are the bags of gold? What is this wealth that he entrusts us with to put to work while he is gone? Well, this might sound like a a bit of a cop-out, but really that wealth, those bags of gold, are everything. Everything that Jesus has put in our hands to put to work while he is away. Every skill that we have, every personality trait that makes us who we are. Every moment and every opportunity that we have in our lives. Every relationship that we have that defines where we are and what our circumstances are. From our family to our friends to our classmates to our coworkers every breath of fresh air that he allows us to take in good health, every second that ticks off on the clock, and yes, every cent that comes into our possession through our paycheck and sits in our bank account. Jesus could keep all of that wealth for himself, but instead he generously gives and spends and trusts by placing it in our hands. And that business model of giving and sharing and trusting that brings him so much joy He wants us to find joy in it as well. As we live out our days, he wants us to spend our time on others, even before making sure that we have enough for ourselves to make sure that we get done everything that we want to get done. He wants us to share our wealth that he's given to us with others, even before we make sure that we've got enough for everything that that we need and that we want this business model that brings him so much joy. He wants us to share in that joy. And again, he promises that when he returns, those who love that business model and are sharing in that business model will get an even greater share at the last day. Servants who love this business plan of Jesus will want and they will surely have a share in it. Sounds like a pretty good deal, doesn't it? Jesus wants us To be stakeholders in his business? Where do I sign up? Ah, but the story's not done. There's a third servant in the parable. And it's very easy for us to see how his behavior is different from the other two servants. He takes the money that he's been given and he buries it. He hides it in the ground so that nothing can happen to it. But really what's most important for us to see is why his behavior is different. When he is called to account, here's how he explains his actions. He says, Master, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. So this servant did not see his master's business model as giving and sharing and spending and trusting, he instead saw it as keeping and getting and hoarding. And really, you couldn't blame him if you didn't know any better. If you happen to be following along with the news this past week, especially on on Monday morning, you maybe had a thought occur to you that was very similar to the one that my wife suggested to me. We were watching the news on, on Monday morning, and all of a sudden she said, we should go out right now and buy a bunch of stock in Pfizer. Why? Is it because we just love that company so much and we want to see them do well? Is it because we're just feeling extra generous and we want to contribute to the important work that they do? No, the announcement, of course, was made this past week that Pfizer announced a 90% success rate in some of the testing that they've done on the coronavirus vaccine that they are developing. Which means that in the very near future, the value of that company and the value of their stock could be going up, 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 up. Probably has already. Normally when you buy a share in a company, in a business, you do so for one reason and one reason only. Because it can make you money. And that's what this third servant thought the master's business plan was. He viewed himself in this business plan as no different from a share of stock or a barrel of oil, a commodity, something that the master was using as a means to his own selfish ends, someone that the master was using to make money for himself. And so he viewed that investment as a burden, which also, as a result, made him afraid. What if he didn't perform? What if he didn't produce? What if he actually lost the master's money instead of gaining more? And so he took that money and he buried it in the ground. And then when the master came back and found what he had been up to, well, just like the first two servants, the master gave this third servant, this wicked, lazy servant, exactly what he wanted. He took that investment that he had viewed as a burden, he took it off of his shoulders and gave it to one of the servants who viewed it as a joy and a privilege. And then he sent that servant outside where he would be far, far away from the master that he so loathed and so feared. Yes, servants who love the master's business plan will want and will have a share in it, but servants who fear the master's business plan will want and will have a share no part in it. So I'm guessing that those words and those thoughts that came out of that third servant's mouth have never even entered into your head, much less come out through your mouth. And yet I'm also willing to guess that maybe the, the line of thinking that's behind them has sort of crept into our minds a time or two. That we view our master's business plan not, not so much as generous giving and sharing and trusting, but as as taking and getting and hoarding. That we view the commands that Jesus gives to us almost as in conflict with the things that we really want to be doing with our life. And so we sort of get caught up almost in this game of of tug-of-war where we're seeing who can keep the most of the wealth that Jesus has entrusted to our care. So yes, on the one hand, Jesus wants our time. He wants us to spend time in church Bible study, Sunday school. He wants us to set aside time during our week in our homes for devotion and prayer. But, but what about the time that we want for, for work and for school and for family and for friends and for fun? Yes, Jesus wants some of our wealth to support the ongoing work of the gospel that is done through his church. And now, now on top of that, a, a building project in addition. Ah, but we want to keep as much of the money that we have for our own bills, for the mortgage payment, for the the kids' college fund, for all the bills and all the new toys that we want to get. And we view these as competing goals. Let's see who wins. Let's see who can be the best hoarder. And so we get into this game of of tug-of-war with God. We assume that his business model is not something that he generously does in our interest where he gives and shares and trusts, but something that is ultimately just for his own interest where he keeps and takes and hoards. And so we respond by doing with him exactly what we assume he has been doing with us. So three servants. Two of them view the master's business model one way, and they behave accordingly. And one of them views the master's business model the opposite way, and he behaves accordingly. This parable is set up like a lot of Jesus' parables. The natural question that it forces us to ask is, which one are you? Where do you fall? Boy, talk about a question that should make us afraid. Talk about a question that should paralyze us with absolutely crippling fear and inaction. Maybe we should, after all, have another national lockdown. We should shut down the schools, shut down the businesses, shut down the economy and the communities, not because, not because of the coronavirus, but just so that we never have to run the risk again of mismanaging everything that Jesus has given to us. Let's just hide it all. Let's bury it in the ground, Yes, we might not gain anything with what he's given us, but at at the very least, we won't lose it all. We won't mess it up. Thankfully, our master's business plan does not depend and is not contingent on the behavior of his servants. Jesus doesn't wait to give and spend and share and trust to see first if we are willing to do the same with him. In fact, this is so much a part of who Jesus is and how he operates, that he doesn't simply give us everything that is ours. He certainly does that. But even more than that, he gives us everything that is his. Normally, sound financial advice would tell you that in order to to protect all of your assets, you should diversify your portfolio right? You want to put some of those assets in maybe things that are a little bit riskier, like buying stocks in the stock market. But you probably want to protect some of what is yours in investments that are a little bit safer, like bonds, for example. And then you probably also want to keep some of that money in a place that is 100% safe, no risk at all, like a plain old boring savings account. Diversify your portfolio. Jesus does the exact opposite. He doesn't simply give us just a little bit of what he has while keeping the rest for himself just to make sure that it's safe and sound. Instead, he goes all in on his investment in us. This master who has gone away for a while came here in the first place to make that investment. He came to live his entire life, to make his whole being an offering and a gift. To us. Every second he lived a gift for us. Every moment of perfection shared as ours. He came to this place in the first time to spend himself penniless for us. He offered his very life as the payment, his own body and blood as the payment that our sins deserve. If you are ever confused for even a second about whether the master's business model is giving, and sharing, and spending, or keeping, and getting, and hoarding. Jesus' cross, and empty tomb, have cleared up that confusion once and for all. And when you see that, when you get a, a peek under the hood of that engine that drives life in his kingdom, it will modify your behavior. His generous, extravagant, reckless even, spending on us sets us free from a life spent hoarding. I mean, think about it. How can you possibly have a tug of war with someone who isn't even tugging back? And at the same time, it also sets us free for a life where we get to take whatever unique everything he has placed in our hands and we get to see if we can even come close to being as generous with it as he has been with his everything toward us. This business model of giving and sharing and trusting, it is who he is and what he does. It is where he finds joy and happiness. It is the very reason that he went into the business of becoming our Lord and our master. And he wants to share that with us. Every moment that he gives us, he wants us to see that his business is good. Amen. I'm sorry.